TGIM Team RE. This is episode 295. It just uh, kind of took me in, in, in a place where I tried to be this perfect person while also trying to hide the fact that internally I was kind of struggling. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Brandon. Brandon took his last drink on October 28th, 2018, and he is from Florida. And hey, guys, before we get started, I wanted to encourage you all to subscribe to our RE newsletter. Every two weeks, I send out an update with RE happenings and other fun shares. So if you want to be added to our main list, shoot us an email at info at recoveryelevator.com with the word newsletter on the subject line, and we will get you added right away. This newsletter is, of course, free. All right, let's work on finding your better you. I have a note here from my recording date with Brandon that says, I was off my game during this interview. I don't think I wrote it as a critique to myself, but just as data. I was stumbling my words a bit, and I remember saying the word present like five times in the first five minutes. So you'll have to listen here in a bit and let me know if I was right on my count. But before we recorded our interview, I had a life situation pop up and I was a little bit stressed and it was hard for me to shake it off. And it took some time to pivot and reset The interview was super helpful, so I reached out to Brandon afterwards and thanked him, but I personally feel like the start was a little bit of rocky for me, and I wanted to share this on the intro today because a lot of the times, many of the times actually, we only get glimpses of other people's lives. Interactions we have with them are merely a moment in their day, and our mind is so good at filling in the gaps at judging and making up stories of what we think is going on. If someone cuts in front of us in traffic, we're automatically like, what a moron, he could have at least turned his blinker on. You know, and it's hard for us to think about other scenarios, like maybe this person was in a total rush to get to a job interview that they thought was at a different time, or maybe they have an emergency to get to at the hospital. We just don't naturally think of those things. It's hard to think the best of people, but I do think that now more than ever, we need to really try to stay rooted in kindness and just live with the belief that people are more than likely just doing the best that they can. I mean, aren't we all doing the best that we can? I found through sobriety and the journey of recovery that the more I work on giving myself grace, the more I can find compassion and grace to give away to others. How we treat people truly ends up being just a reflection on how we're doing internally. I'm a recovering perfectionist. The dictionary defines perfectionism as a disposition to regard anything short of perfection as unacceptable. Wow, that sucks. It sucks because oftentimes the standards we set for ourselves are the standards we end up setting for others. And expecting perfection from ourselves and others is not only just unattainable, but also completely unfair. It's like signing up for a marathon today and expecting that you run it tomorrow while also breaking a world record. Good luck with that. One of the things that 2020 has brought to us all is an imperfect scenario, a world in which we've had to detach from our plans, detach from our goals, detach from our routines. Many people have forcefully had to let go. 
And I can't imagine trying to exert my own will to have things go 100% my way while the world is collectively struggling. I mean, I'd be driving myself crazy. Perfectionism, ironically, doesn't yield perfect results. Perfection yields guilt, shame, stress, addiction, loneliness, isolation. So let me just encourage you to unsubscribe to it. Unsubscribe to perfection and see how much your interactions with others become more human and connected. This includes interactions with yourself. There is a ton of beauty in imperfection. There's also more room. Not just room for mistakes, but overall, just more room. Perfection is so narrow. You miss out on so much when you're laser focused on a perfect result. It's like the highlight reel of Instagram. You only get a little narrow view of people's lives. And behind the scenes, well, that's a whole other story. Letting go of perfection is linked to letting go of control. And letting go of control, now at least to me, feels like such a relief. You're telling me I don't have to be in charge of everything? Ah, sigh of relief. I've come to understand that the reason why I resorted to control and perfection in the first place was that I was scared. I was scared to be unlovable and not approved by other people. And somehow I thought that through perfection, I would be able to manipulate outcomes and avoid the pain. Little did I know that pain is part of growing and outcomes aren't always up to me. When I take care of me, everything else takes care of itself. That is the gift of sobriety, my friends. All right. Eso es todo. That's my weekly dose of rambles on RE for this episode. And before we hear from Brandon, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafe RE. When departing from alcohol, here are the two main keys to success. You need a supportive, loving community, and you have to create accountability with others who have the same goal in mind. Whether you want to ditch the booze for a month, a year, or are simply sober curious, you'll get both of these in Cafe RE. These groups are unsearchable on Facebook. Who is in the group and what is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19 a month, you get access to the community, get paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online discussions, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of monthly fees goes towards our service project where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. And another portion goes to the in-person meetups. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Brandon, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Odette. Uh, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's a, it's a Monday. I record Monday through Friday and it's Monday right now. It's a busy day and I'm grateful for you taking time in your day to allow me to take a break in my busy day. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a welcome distraction. Total welcome distraction. And let's get right to it. When was the last time you had a drink, Brandon? Yeah, it was uh, October 28th, 2018. Coming up on two years. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, if I had the math right, I think it's like 465 days or something like that at this point. So, uh, Or maybe I have that math wrong. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming up on two years. That's... 645. Wow. I'm dyslexic, and I checked uh, the number this morning, and so I added uh, 
backwards. So yeah, 645. That's awesome. Congrats. <laughs> and can you give listeners a little background? Can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What are your hobbies? What do you do for a living? And what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, uh, I live in Orlando, Florida with my wife of almost five years and our son, who's uh, a year and a half. And yeah, I, I, I basically I grew up in Coral Springs, Florida. That's South Florida, you know, close to Fort Lauderdale. And I lived there for 20 years and then moved up to Orlando at uh, age 21. And I've uh, been here ever since. And yeah, so moved up here and I believe it was 2007. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, family man, uh, just trying to, you know, obviously navigate the pandemic and just doing so sober has been uh, a huge, a uh, huge plus for me, just, you know, keeping a straight mind and, 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 you know, thinking clearly. Yeah, I'm so grateful for my sobriety right now, because we were just talking about it earlier when we got on our phone call, a lot of things are in crisis and falling apart. So I'm just grateful that I can, I can be present during all of it. So congrats on right. protecting your sobriety during these tough times for everyone. And what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, so for fun, I, 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 I mean, honestly, life has been funny. I've transitioned into like, just just parenthood. And like, I know that may sound, you know, almost like an easy answer. But like being a dad really is just the most fun right now. You know, my, my kid just started, uh, you know, started walking. So it's just going on adventures with him. But, you know, on a more personal level, I, I play music now for almost two decades. I was in bands growing up and, you know, doing the whole punk rock thing, just, you know, trying to, to tour uh, and, and this and that. And then for, for a living, um, I'm actually a social media manager. And so I've been doing that, uh, you know, quote unquote, professionally now for, you know, close to a decade. So um, just kind of learning the in and out of that industry and, and so it kind of helps me, you know, stay creative and that, you know, again, I, I, it was tough in the beginning uh, because definitely, you know, drinking a bit helps with the creativity when it came to music and, and, you know, even just with, with writing and stuff. So uh, being sober, it's, it's been nice to kind of, you know, reignite those passions again. I love hearing that. And it's also amazing that you are able to be present during parenting, which is sometimes a hobby, sometimes a little bit of an annoyance, depending on what's going on. <laughs> but right. Um, right, different stages. Yeah. That age is definitely fun. And I am happy that you are enjoying it and that you're present for it. So let's get going. Give listeners some background on your history with drinking. When did you start drinking? Sure. When did you realize alcohol was no longer serving you? And what made you stop? So I started drinking, believe it or not, at uh, the age of 21. I grew up uh, as an only child and, you know, alcoholism, I was told from my parents, actually ran in my family. And it was something that I truthfully wasn't all that interested in uh, growing up. I actually, you know, I grew up playing sports. And so I was often super busy, you know, through my teenage years of, of running around with, you know, between basketball, baseball, hockey and all that. And then as I, you know, got into high school, it was all about being in bands. And, and luckily, again, for me, I had a bunch of my friends who didn't drink. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't smoke weed or anything like that. It was, it was just we were focused on music and we were focused, you know, on our goals of, you know, writing and, and playing shows. And so for me, it was really just, you know, kind of having my energy on that passion. And it wasn't until, you know, I moved to Orlando and got away from, you know, my, my hometown and, started just, you know, having college parties, you, you know, your, your normal just college years of drinking. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was because I hadn't drank uh, as, as a kid, but 
I kind of had like an iron stomach in the beginning. You know, I, it didn't matter. I could have, you know, eight to 10 drinks with friends going downtown, house parties, what have you, and wake up, you know, the next day feeling fine. You know, let's, let's go play basketball. Let's go, you know, go hang out. Like I didn't have any of the repercussions in the first couple of years of drinking. You know, it wasn't until maybe three years after I had my first drink that I finally was, was hung over and felt that for the first time. And was like, Oh, you know, this, this isn't just a party of, you know, going nuts and then feeling fine the next day. You actually have, uh, you know, you have to deal with some of the consequences of it. Yeah, I feel like it's a stereotype. It may not be the case for everyone, but drinking when you're in your 20s is like eating whatever you want in your 20s where you were like, wait, what happened? Like when you get older, right. you're like, wait, what happened? Now I like feel totally. things and physical yeah. discomfort and physical symptoms right. that I don't really remember having. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't have McDonald's every day. What? Now I feel like crap. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was kind of that, you know, and, and I surrounded myself with, you know, we again, just, just the college atmosphere, you know, we like to have fun. We went to shows, we like to party. And, you know, for the first couple of years, it really was that, you know, like I, I didn't ever drink and drive. Um, I kind of, you know, my dad had kind of drilled that into me. So, you know, it, the voice in the back of my head was saying like, oh, you're, you know, you're good. You're, you know, you just, Hey, you're having fun with your friends and, you know, you're not driving anywhere. So, you know, you're being smart about it. And, you know, I'm sure as you've heard, or as you've dealt with yourself, like kind of that denial thing in the back of your head, where it's been a year, two years, three years, and college is over. And, and a lot of those friends have now, you know, moved on to, you know, other things in their life where I'm still like, Hey, I, you know, I want to have fun. What's going on? Where I, I think that was, you know, kind of circling back that time where I realized like, okay, this, this could be a problem for me. And, you know, it's just something that, that really just to kind of dive more into this, you know, I had been dealing with anxiety and, and depression and OCD, you know, growing up. And for me, music and sports was always that, that outlier that helped me, you know, navigate that. And when it came to college, you know, it, it turned to drinking because I was, you know, very socially awkward in the beginning. And then, you know, when I drank, it was, it was fine. I was being around people, you know, and then it just, it just helped me break a lot of the barriers I had inside my head. And so not only was I having fun, but Hey, I wasn't dealing with as much anxiety, you know, again, at that time, I, I figured it went away when obviously it, it made it worse as years went on. So that was another thing that, you know, again, helped me realize like, Hey, this, this really isn't a good thing. Yeah. And it, it, it just starts it's working until it stops working and it keeps escalating in ways that may we may not even notice. But at, at this point, were you having conversations with yourself of like what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, at that point, you know, again, I was probably still in my, you know, mid-20s. You know, it's kind of circling back where, you know, a couple friends would just be like, you know, hey, like, you know, you don't, you don't always have to drink to have a good time. Like we just hang out, you know, and, and whatever. And for me, it was like, yeah, but it's, more fun this way or you know again thinking back to the conversations I had growing up being like you know this runs in our family and you know I maybe it was just me as an ignorant kid just thinking like well you know well okay that was people in my family but that's not me and you know as as years went on and especially with OCD you know you, you kind of you, you're there to make you know obsessive compulsive decisions and and I think there were just times where I'm like man like that was I went all out there I didn't need to do that so yeah yeah as, as time went on there was definitely the thought in the back of my head of like, hey, you know, maybe I should get this under control and maybe I should, you know, maybe quit for a bit and all that. But again, just the denial in my head was always like, well, you know, I'm in my, my mid 20s or, you know, it, it was like I kept trying to give myself uh, an excuse, right? An mm -hmm. excuse to be like, you know, this is I have it under control. It's fine. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm living my life sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard. I think especially as we see other people having the ability to drink normally. And I mean, we don't even know what happens in behind closed doors. I mean, everybody just sometimes people struggle silently that we don't know of, but we're so good at comparing right. ourselves to like, oh, this is what what's done in the tw in your 20s or this is what everyone else is doing. And it's it takes so much courage to be like, maybe I'm the one right. that can't be like X, Y, and Z. And like I said, maybe we don't even know what X, Y, and Z are struggling with. It's just our experience is so unique to just like our, it's like so one dimensional right. in a way, but it, it it's hard to get there. So tell me what happened afterwards. How did it progress? Yeah. So, so, and really what exactly you just said was something I started dealing with too, where it was kind of like in silent, you know, where, you know, maybe I was, you know, feeling like shit the next day. And, you know, I tried to hide it as much as I could. And, and, you know, at this time, you know, I was, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a career. You know, I, I had started out of college doing some stuff in the music business that fell through. And, and when that happened, you know, I kind of had this, this moment of like, well, you know, music's not for me. And I kind of just, you know, I felt it was, it was hard on me. And I kind of, you know, tried to make things better by drinking. And, you know, the next couple of years, I realized that, you know, this was starting to get, you know, control of, you know, just, just, maybe I, I used it as a crutch, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just again, as years went on through that, as I got into my late twenties and, you know, I things got, a, you know, got serious with, with my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife and, you know, got engaged. And, and, and at that point, you know, as things got serious, I was so focused on being a great partner that it did kind of go away. Like it's been a roller coaster where, you know, I had my, my, my peak at my college years, then I went back down because I was focusing on other things and not saying down as in I didn't drink, but, you know, I, I, I didn't do anything just by myself, you know, it was always just around people or whatever. And, you know, just again, as, as just really just whatever happened in life, whether it had been, you know, something with a job or something, you know, just money problems or whatever, just this was always something I could turn to. And as you know, it was, you know, it's something, especially in the U.S. that's advertised and, there's, you know, there's bars and it's, you know, it's the one, one of the few vices that it's like encouraged almost like, Hey, you know, like had a rough day at work, let's go. And so I would start, you know, making excuses where, you know, I, I would go to shows and, and drink air, or like, you know, like have beers with friends or, you know, watch sports and have beers. And, you know, next thing I knew I was kind of giving myself, you know, an excuse again to, you know, start doing this. And really just to the point again, where I started realizing in the back of my head, like I knew this was something that I needed to get under control. And, when my wife and I, you know, we were married and found out that we were about to have a kid, you know, in my mind, I started circling because I was, I was just, I was so happy, you know, to hear that. But also in the back of my mind, it also jumps into like, all right, you know, you're going to, you got to provide, you've got to do this, you got to do that. And, and the anxiety, you know, around that also, you know, just, it just uh, kind of took me in, in, in a place where I tried to be this perfect person while also trying to hide the fact that internally I was kind of struggling. It's really scary when you are like, wow, now I'm going to be responsible for somebody else. So I can see how that just gave you and fueled even more of that anxiety that you share that you that you were feeling. And right. if, if you're comfortable answering this, can you let me know if your wife ever approached you about the drinking? Was did she ever notice anything or did anything appear to be a red flag to her? Did that did your drinking start affecting your relationship? You know, it it didn't I guess you know it, it was something to where I remember I would and, and at the time I was actually doing some social media for a um, a beer brand and at the time I was actually you know going through 
experimenting with new beers and, and I would always just, you know, it's, it's, it's for the job, you know, it's like, you know, I worked with some very talented, you know, beer knowledge people who would recommend this, this and that. And I remember, you know, at night, you know, through dinners and stuff, I would always, you know, have a couple of beers or whatever. And my wife would, you know, say like, Hey, you know, is that, do you need to like, do you need to have this, you know, every night sort of thing. And, you know, at the time, again, I played off as like, yeah, well, you know, it's just for work and stuff like that. Or just, you know, it's, I just, I like it. And so there were some signs I could definitely tell. And again, just it, it coinciding with my anxiety and stuff like that. I think she definitely knew that, you know, something, something was wrong with me. And, uh, and again, it was just kind of like the ticking clock of like, all right, well, you know, when, when you're, when you're, when our kid arrives, like you gotta be in a, in a good place. And, and for me, you know, I started researching a lot, to be honest with you, uh, just, okay. Like I would look for celebrities that have, you know, recovered and just see like what their journey was. And I remember weirdly enough, like being on YouTube and, uh, steve was in an interview, if, if, if you know steve from uh, Jackass, the Jackass crew, yeah. Sam Dev, yeah. And, you know, he was just known as this, like, party dude that, like, growing up, I, like, idolized. And, you know, he was in this interview saying he'd been clean for, like, 10 years and was like, whoa, like, if he can do it, you know, I guess, you know, why can't I? And I was kind of searching for those things. Again, like, not totally committed to getting sober yet, but it was like I was starting to really try and educate my mind because I was, I was really scared of doing any sort of rehab or something like that. Just, just my anxiety at the time was like, I don't want to go away. You know, like how, how can I do this on my own? And it was really just educating myself. Uh, another tool I was using was Reddit at the time. They, um, they had a, a, a group uh, that was literally just, you know, it was a subreddit called stop drinking. And there was a lot of people sharing their stories and I was searching for apps and I had downloaded, you know, recovery elevator and just, you know, I kind of, I knew that I being numbers obsessed with, with OCD, I needed some sort of a timer. I, I needed more stories of how people did this. And for me, uh, sorry for rambling through this, but you know, for me, the rock bottom was, you know, my wife and I were at a a Halloween party and this was 2018. And, and I remember, you know, it was, it was something to where I was just, (laughs) the IPAs were flowing and, you know, that night just, uh, getting way, way too sauced and, you know, kind of got in a fight with her that night and she was seven months pregnant at the time. And, you know, we, we had a verbal, you know, thing that night where she approached me about it. And, you know, I basically had this breakdown and this panic attack sort of thing and waking up the next day and having her say, you know, Hey, you're worrying me, you know, like I, sometimes, you know, she's saying, I don't know, going into this off to do it alone. And for me, it was hearing that. And then also having that realization of like, if I stay on this lifestyle, I don't know how long I'll be able to live to see, you know, my son grow up and I think that inside was enough to motivate me to be like, enough's enough, you know, enough's enough. What a powerful aha moment for, I think not just for you, but for her too, you know, and speaking up and being pregnant. I mean, speaking from experience, you were like, oh my God, like I'm bringing a life into the world and her sharing with you that she was worried and you guys starting a new chapter that had to be so powerful. So was that the last night you had a drink on Halloween? Oh, wait, it was... 28 it was a halloween party not on halloween yeah 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 so right around that and yeah yeah that was it you know the next day and again just again circling back to anxiety it was i realized that you know one of those things where it's like you know you have a drinking problem when you know it's i'm i'm feeling anxious throughout the day at work we're thinking like oh like you know i want to try this beer i want to have this or whatever and it was like it was at that moment realizing if i just let go of this this internal fight I had within myself and in my head, 
you know, if I could just get rid of this, like my life could become so much easier, you know, in the sense that I would feel better about myself and I wouldn't have this, this just nonstop anxiety if I just stopped trying to fix quote unquote, my problems with drinking. Cause then I realized, Hey, I'm making everything even worse. So it's like, I'm not only dealing with my anxiety through an unhealthy habit, but now I have two things that I'm, you know, feeling bad about. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was that, that night, you know, where I realized that this is it. Like I, I, it's, it's either this or I'm, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah. And there's this meme that goes around that says drinking is like pouring gasoline on your anxiety. And when I read it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, jackpot. Like, that's exactly 100 percent exactly what it is. And then unfortunately, it's at the beginning of the day, I also think it's the only we think it's the only thing that can make it better. And it's this really hard cycle to disengage from because our bodies are also it just is. physically used to it. So Another thing that I want to circle back to you mentioning was you Googling or searching for other people that had done this. I know Elton John <laughs> just hit 30 years and he made a, a right. Instagram post about it a couple of days ago. And what I don't know what your experience was, but what happened to me was I was like, wow, there are so many sober people out there. And I think there's something very energetically strengthening about seeing other people do and pursue the path that you want to be on, I think it's so inspiring. And that right. really, it's such a it's such a good practice to just be like, wow, look at all of these people. And the more you're in it, the more you realize more people are actually in it than than what you thought. So that's a great thing to do. If you're struggling, you probably think that you're alone. But there's so many people who've chosen to quit drinking. And if you just do a quick Google search on sober celebrities, there are yeah. a lot of them out there. Yeah. And and honestly, to, to jump on that point, that was another huge thing that helped me, you know, because forever, I, I kind of just thought I was alone in this, you know, like this was only me. And I only had to deal with my own problems. As weird as that sounds, because of, you know, how talked about, you know, there's movies and books about, you know, people who are struggling and, and getting over it. But for some reason in my mind, I always just thought it was me. And so, you know, seeing celebrities and, and, and especially in the it, musicians, you know, a band that I grew up listening to is a band called Motion City Soundtrack. And, and Justin, their lead singer, had uh, publicly gotten sober and had written some, you know, a lot of songs about it and talked about his journey. And, and when I was kind of researching, getting ready to do this, you know, I actually uh, DM'd him on Instagram and he wrote me back. And, and he wrote back this just like, it was like only a paragraph maybe. And, but it was so powerful where he's like, you know, he just acknowledged that this was brave of me to start doing. And he basically said like, what you need to realize is you have to be transparent and open and honest. And you need to tell your significant other, like, this is what you're doing. And you need to make it public and then realize that no matter what's going on in your life, sobriety is, it's your focus because if you don't stay sober, you can lose everything again. And whether or not that's the best practice for everybody, for me, that was kind of like a realization of like, yeah, this isn't just like, hey, you know, I, I'm going to quit for a week or I'm going to quit for a month. This is this was a long term thing for me. And, you know, I know the one day at a time things. And, and again, I, I, I think however people choose to get sober and it works for them, that's fantastic. But for me, um, and maybe just again, with my sports background, it was more of like I there was no turning back and I wasn't going to give myself that option because of the fear of losing, you know, friends, family, my kid, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was looking at celebrities, just then seeing, you know, just musicians and other people that I had in my life growing up. There was a few friends that I had in high school that, 
you know, through social media reconnected with because I saw that they had been going through it too. And, you know, just being able to share just the smallest of stories gave me the the confidence of like, yeah, like I'm not alone and, and I can do this. Like I, I know I can do this. So inspiring, so much value in the words that you're saying. I'm a big believer in having a strong why. And sometimes it takes a little bit of of time and years to figure out like, why do I want to do this? But it sounds like from the beginning, you had such a clear definition of like, if I don't do this for myself and for long term, my why will dissipate. And like you said, I do think that our culture isn't really used to this. But this whole metaphor of like, put your oxygen mask first is not only applicable to sobriety, but it should be applicable to everything, right? Because it's, it's, it's so not common to put ourselves first and it it seems like you get a gold medal if you think of everybody else and if you put everyone in front of you but I think through this journey we learn that we can be better for the people around us if we are starting with ourselves I mean the longest standing relationship that we will ever have is with ourselves and I'm really glad that you realize that by putting yourself first you can keep your family for example so how neat. How right. neat. And thank you so much for sharing. Tell me more, Brandon, about what happened after this party and how were those first couple of weeks, first month or two? Did you have a talk with your wife? How did you how did you make it? Because those initial weeks, I don't know, you can tell me how it went for you, but they're they're a toughie sometimes. They are. They are. I I was prepared for it to be hell, but didn't even realize just all the other things that go into it. You know, again, I've done this research beforehand, so I had heard about, you know, the insomnia that, you know, potential uh, shakes, uh, having, you know, just this wanting sweets all the time, like all these different stuff. And like, I kind of prepared my mind for like, all right, like I, I knew when I did this, that I needed to, to be open with my wife and and my friends, because I needed that support. And I also felt that it was really important for me to tell more people because that kept me accountable. And then other things I turned to, you know, obviously was, was just any sort of fitness to kind of keep my mind going. But yeah, I mean, that, that I remember the first 24 hours, I had a terrible night's sleep. And, you know, that, that also was something that I was just nervous about. But then the next day, the level of, of pride and, and how proud I was in myself kind of overcame anything that had to do with how tired I was. You know, the fact that, you know, I'd done this and, and it was 24 hours and, and I, you know, kept myself in check and really took things that in those first three days, like I took things hour by hour, you know, and just, just wanted to appreciate, like, you know, I, I got through, you know, the morning and, and the afternoon and the night. And I remember getting, you know, two, three, four, five, six days and got to that week. And, and, you know, when I got into the week, it was like, great. Like, this is, I didn't, I didn't think I could do a week to be honest with you. And so it was like, this is awesome. And, and just, you know, it, it, I, I tried to run as much as I, I could uh, to keep my mind busy. And I treated myself to, you know, ice cream and stuff just as like little, little wins, you know, like every time I, you know, would, would think about even just getting to the certain amount of days I'd been, it was like, all right, well, like give yourself a pat on the back. Like I wanted to be nicer to myself. I wanted to, you know, uh, reward, you know, just, just me going through this because while maybe other people who didn't realize how hard it was kind of looked at it as like, well, good, you're doing it. Like for me, it was, it was a big win, you know? So it was really those first couple of days, it was a struggle. But once I got to like third and fourth day, that, that clarity like totally just took over. And, you know, I didn't have those guilty feelings anymore. I didn't have that anxiety in my mind. And honestly, I, 
I found confidence in myself that I never had. And that was something I didn't even realize. Like, like, you know, once I got to a couple weeks in, I was like, wow, like I have this, this confidence in myself that, you know, I just, I didn't realize for years I didn't really have. And, and just all these things, you know, it's just started coming to me and, and, and it just, it was such a beautiful moment, you know, where it's just like, I'm, I'm doing something that I'm so proud of and I'm seeing the benefits. I'm seeing that I'm more engaged in conversations and I'm more engaged in my everyday life and feeling good about myself. And because I was feeling good about myself, you know, I was, I was a better husband. I was a better father. I was a better friend, you know, I was a better son to, you know, my dad and stuff like that. You know, it just, it just gave me this overwhelming sensation of, of I'm doing a lot of good things right now. And, you know, obviously that kind of starts teetering off after a couple of months, but at that time, you know, I had built such a foundation between my friends and my family that I knew there was no turning back. Help me connect the dots here. So at this point in time, when you started your sober journey, how far along was your wife? Was the baby already born? Uh, we were about two months, uh, a month and a half from, from having him. And so I knew, I mean, that, you know, that was, again, even more motivation where it's like, I, I want to be sober and enjoy every moment of this kid's life, you know? And I get that sometimes, you know, like saying that your, your, your kid is your main motivation for getting sober isn't a good thing just because, you know, there, there's a lot of emotion when it goes to that. But, but for me, it was all the motivation I needed. And I knew that because I'd made this change, like I was going to do everything possible. And, and, you know, when, when he was born in the hospital and just in my mind thinking like, this dude, this little guy is, is my motivation for everything now. And yeah, so he, you know, as you can tell through my timeline, um, he is one of the bigger motivations for not only getting sober, but staying sober and just trying to be my best self. He's so lucky to have you. You know, I, I'm lucky to have him. You know, he he changed uh, everyone's life. You know, my wife, my 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 parents are parents, but like he he changed my life more than he'll never know. And it's it's something to where obviously I... I, my plan is to stay sober throughout his entire life, obviously. And, and, you know, I'll have that talk with him one day, but just internally, I know like him coming uh, in my life was just, it's, it's more than I can even put into words. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who firmly believes that timing is always perfect and never a coincidence. And it seems like he, he came at the perfect time for your family's journey, for your own personal journey. So that's awesome. Sure. I mean, it's one of those cliches of like, you never know until you're a parent, but then you're a parent and you're right. like, they were right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just also with that, like, you know, if I had, and you're right with timing, if I had done this in my mid twenties, you know, when I was still kind of working some dead end jobs, maybe like I wouldn't have been as motivated because maybe I would have gone a week and then be like, you know what? Like, whatever, like, you know, let, let me take the load off or, you know, like there was just other times in my life where if I had tried this, maybe it wouldn't have worked out so well, but because I had him and, and others around me at this point in time, it made it to where there was just no turning back. So I, I totally buy into that timing thing. Cause they, I, I think really it's the truth. Do you still get cravings this far out? I would say, and I've had this question and, and my honest answer is no, but there's definitely times like now with the pandemic where it, it can be hard where, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, it's like a joke almost where it's like, yeah, you know, well, I guess, you know, we're all drinking more now. And, and you know, people are, are drinking to pass the time and drinking to deal with the fact that, you know, they no longer have jobs or whatever the case is. And so 
I wouldn't say it's necessarily cravings for a certain drink, but there are times where I'm like, man, you know, and, and, and one side of this, like, I would want nothing more than just, you know, take the edge off at night sometimes when I've had a really rough day or, or whatever during this time to, you know, just, just to be able to do that. But then the, the other side of me is like, no, I'm, I'm actually really happy that I'm not because it helps me stay, you know, my mind clear. And, and as we've already talked about, you know, now I've added a new problem to not only dealing with getting my hours cut or whatever. Now I've got this too. So yeah, I would say that's, there, there are times where I'm kind of like, ah, you know, it would be cool to maybe, you know, have one, but there's, there's just no way. There's no way. What are some of your tools when you get emotions that are uncomfortable or what's, what's the resource that you really find comfort in? So my wife has been, um, you know, my, my biggest uh, support and, you know, just to be very honest, like I, I, I had been working two jobs during, you know, the pandemic just to kind of keep things afloat. My full-time job, I had some reduced hours. So I took on this other job and I ended up losing that, that newish uh, job just again, due to the pandemic. And I remember, you know, she knew I was kind of having some, some anxious days and nights and she had said, you know, Hey, like if you feel anything that you want to start drinking again or whatever, like, please be open to me. And it just, it meant so much for her to say that because, you know, instead of dealing with this just internally, I had her. So definitely, you know, being open to people about your problems is a good thing because there are those moments where you may not, you know, realize, but Hey, they can tell you're kind of, you know, you're kind of spiraling and just to make sure, Hey, check in with me first, please talk to me before you do anything, you know, you're going to regret. So there's that, you know, other tools, just to be honest, the the Reddit group, (laughs) stop drinking it. I never went to meetings and I don't recommend that for everybody, but for me, it just, it was something I chose not to do, but this Reddit group kind of served as a virtual meeting place because Mm -hmm. people are on there and being extremely transparent about their struggle, what they've done, how long they've been sober, how they've relapsed, you know, the issues they've dealt with relapsing after, you know, a few years thinking, oh, I can handle one and they can't. So I'll check in, you know, I'll check in every once in a while on there and share what I'm going through or just, just honestly, just reading what other people are going through. And it kind of keeps me like, you know, I get it. Like other people are going through this too. And it's, it's the idea of sharing with others kind of gives you that motivation again of like, I'm not alone. And I know I can get through this. So just having those tools, uh, listening to podcasts like this, just just having, you know, just having that moment where you can just just connect with someone and whether or not you talk to them, whether it's just listening to them. It's like, yeah, I've gone through that, too. And if they can get through it, you know, I can, too. Like, I know I can do this. And and so, yeah, it's 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 virtual, you know, online sites, it's podcasts, just just stuff that just keeps me in line. That sense of just connecting and community. And I'm really grateful that you said, I don't go to meetings, but that may work for some other people. We really try in Recovery Elevator to just bring up different modalities because community can mean many things. It can mean your wife's support. It can mean the Reddit group. And honestly, whatever it takes and whatever tool helps people stay in this path is all we care about because the rates of recovery aren't so high. Uh, I'm an optimist, but there's a lot of work to do. So the menu of options needs to expand and we need to just be open to trying new things. And I'm really happy you found that feeling of connection because we truly think that's what keeps you in it as well. Tell me, Brandon, do you ever get any pushback from people when you just tell them like, no, I'm good. I don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, to go into that, that that's been one of the harder things since I got sober has been 
you know, like you almost assume, I remember when I got sober, I'm thinking in my mind, like, this is such a big deal to me. I'm just going to assume everybody who hears it is going to be like, it's great, dude. That's great. Like right on, right on. Almost the way that you hear when someone says, you know, I quit cigarettes or, you know, I quit pills or, you know, harder stuff, cocaine, whatever. Like, you know, if you hear someone that say they got over that, usually it's like, that's great, man. Like, that's awesome. Good for you. And a lot of times it was hard for people to truly understand it. And because I dealt with it so silently for so many years, I think people had a hard time understanding the level of what it was. And so a lot of it was like, well, I never, you know, thought you had a problem. So, you know, that's weird. Or, or, you know, answers like that to where it's, it kind of offended me at first, but then I had to realize like from their perspective, they, it, it is kind of weird for them to hear that this person they thought all these years, you know, say they had this problem for them to be like, oh, okay, like I hear you. That was hard at first, you know, and then others that, you know, people that, you know, I usually went to shows with, especially, you know, in the music community or whatever, like the bar scene. And, you know, for them, it was just kind of like, a, oh, okay, well, you know, how long are you going to do this? Is it like a week or you just having a sober month? And, you know, it, it, I think just if someone knows someone in their life who has dealt with it, it's a, it's a totally different situation where they understand the battle and, and it, there's no temptation, but others that are like, you know, hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, well, when you're, when you're ready again, let's go out for a drink and stuff like that, you know? And it, so yeah, it's, it, there has been some pushback as to why, like, why are you doing this? And then others that have been like, you know, okay, well, you know, once you're over this space, man, and you want to be fun again, let's, let's go out. And that stuff's it's hard, especially in the very beginning, it's really hard. But as time goes on, you start, you know, surrounding yourself with the people that, that understands you and also understand your decisions and realize that they, they want to be supportive of you and whether or not that's the same life, uh, you know, life decision they've made that they, they understand you and respect you. And, you know, even when some of the closest people I have in my life, again, just, it took them a while to realize it, but when they did, and when they had more of those open conversations with me, you know, they, they started supporting, you know, just, it took a little time, but everyone in my life right now is super supportive. Yeah. And I think just speaking for myself at the beginning, I always have an issue with other people understanding, like fully understanding. And then when they don't, I feel like I start start talking too much. And I'm like, I know I didn't have this rock bottom moment, but this is what's happening in my mind. And like, I try to convince, but I've learned that sometimes just by staying on the path and living in the decision and living in this solution, then I'm slowly chipping away at all of these myths. Like people realize like, oh, she is actually doing this the long term. People realize, oh, she's not super boring. Like all these things that we're scared of at the beginning, sometimes we can't prove them at the beginning. But as time goes by, we're part of breaking all those myths and shredding that stigma of like, yeah, what what quote unquote alcoholics or people who struggle with alcohol look like. Right. So it's really neat and cool to see that you're experiencing some of those changes. But yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it's like people think it's a cleanse or just a phase or exactly. It's just, yeah. it's hard. I feel like it's people also, they don't know what to say sometimes too, which I don't blame people. It, like there's a mm -hmm. lot of work to be done in also in terms of supporting people with these types of struggles. So, I mean, people are just trying their best, I guess. <laughs> right. No, and that's true. And and honestly, a reason, a real reason why I wanted to do this as well is I, I made a point to myself when I felt like I was, you know, it, and this is a, a journey forever and this will always be a battle. But when I felt like I was in a good place and the struggle wasn't as real, I wanted to be as transparent as possible. And I've always been that way when it comes to mental health. I've always, you know, connected with people over anxiety and stuff like that. But 
you know, I started being very open about this uh, on my social media channels and, you know, just with casual friends and whatever, because I always thought maybe people find this weird or, or, or kind of put off by this. But if there's just one person who's also struggling in silence the way I was and I can reach them, that makes everything worth it. And one of the cooler things that I realized once I did get sober is just connecting with those people. I've had, you know, handfuls of people just that I hadn't even heard from since high school or since, you know, four or five years ago that have been like, Hey, like I had no idea you were sober and you were going through this like me too. And like, you know, thank you for, for, for just talking about this or that had, you know, their brother or had, you know, their husbands, you know, go through similar things and just, you know, even just connect with me on that level of like, thanks for talking about this because I, I never realized it or I was always a little ashamed, but to realize that other people are going through this, um, I feel better about it. And so it's just, those are the moments that, you know, I, I realized in this journey of like just connecting with those who have dealt with something similar or, or thinking about doing something similar, thinking about getting sober. And th- th- those are the moments where I'm like, this, this means everything, right? This is, this is, this is bigger than just, you know, even me getting sober. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for sharing, Brandon. And we've reached the rapid fire round. If you can answer these questions in 30 seconds or less, that would be fabuloso. Sure. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Perfect. What would you say to younger Brandon or day one Brandon when you didn't know what you know today? Honestly, I would say listen to your, <laughs> listen to your parents. Listen to those when you were younger. Don't even try. Don't try it. Alcohol is nothing but bad news the way, uh, you know, my DNA is. And I should never have done that. What is your go-to NA beverage? Ooh, uh, I'm a huge uh, Croy fan. Uh, key lime flavor, coconut flavor, sparkling waters is my jam. Uh, that is 100% my go-to beverage. How many a day do you go through? Let's see if you can beat me. so uh yeah when i started i would say i could probably go through six a day in the beginning um now i've limited myself to maybe one or two a day it's not a lot but i'm also kind of with the pandemic trying to (laughs) budgetarily just (laughs) you know not go through so many uh so yeah that's my count how about you yeah around the same depends on my stress level on a day sometimes when my kids are like throwing temper tantrums at i have a (laughs) i have a three and a five-year-old i'm like oh it's 7 a.m time to time to open a can of (laughs) (laughs) lacrosse totally totally yeah that is yeah that i'm I'm in the same boat as you okay and what parting piece of guidance can you give listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze listen to your gut Man, like, listen, you, you know, your your what's in your mind is, is the truth. And if you have, if you find yourself Googling for celebrities who've gotten sober, if you find yourself Googling liver replacements, if you could find yourself looking through support groups online, it's time, it's time. And there's no better time than now. Don't put it off. Just, just get into it because it, it's so, so worth it. You will never feel better. You'll never have more confidence and you will never be more proud of yourself. Just, you know, just, just listen to yourself. What's in your mind is the truth. Wiser words. Absolutely. Never spoken. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And before we <laughs> depart, give listeners your own. You may have to say adios to booze if line. You may have to say goodbye to booze if, again, you're in a meeting at two o'clock and you're thinking that night what you want to drink. Uh, at that point, hey, you know what? Ditch it. That's, that's not what should be in your mind. That's true. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to share this with all of our listeners. Take care and thanks again. Yes, thank you so much. I I appreciate you giving me this platform. Have a great day. You too.
Very well, Timari. That wraps it up. That's our interview for today. And before I say adios, I want to challenge you all to try and see things differently this week. Try to be more compassionate with yourself when you make mistakes. Try to give people in your life the benefit of the doubt when you think that they're not acting in a way that they should be acting. Welcome imperfection and see how much joy you can actually find in it. And be nice to strangers. We never know what people are truly struggling with on their day-to-day basis. Thank you, Brandon, for giving me so much grace at the beginning of our interview. I really needed it. Remember that you're not alone and together is always better. Recovery Elevator, believing that we are all doing the best that we can can make the world a much better place. I love you guys.